this beautiful sunny fall day. Please join me in our responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletins. On this World Communion Sunday, as we join with Christians from all over the world who are celebrating this day together, we honor and lift up our unity as being one in Christ, one with God, and one with all of humanity, as we embrace all cultures, languages, and races. May we celebrate unity as we share in our call to worship, after which we'll hear from several of our church members who will be sharing the passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in their own cultural languages. United by God, with loving kindness, understanding, justice, mercy, and service, may we all be one spirit, love, and truth. Though we may have arrived at God's banquet table by harvesting, by having traveled from many different paths, and though we may sit at different seats at God's table, therefore providing us with different points of view, and though the languages of our brothers and sisters across the globe differ in rhythm and sound, let us all live, worship, love, and serve as God's one human family. And, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Ravu Yeshu Masiaka Anugraha, Aur Parveshara Kaprem, Aur Pavitra Atma Kibo Sahabadika, Tum Sabke Satho. Az Úrnak a Krisztus Jézusnak kegyelme, az Istennek szeretete és a Szent Szellem közössége legyen minnyájatokkal. Óriá fej Jézus Krisztió lúa, áti fej a lárun, áti dakbati a mimimon, kiowapali Die Gnade des Herrn Jesus Christus und die Liebe Gottes und der Kameradschaft des Heiligen Geistes seien mit Ihnen allen. Que la grâce du Seigneur Jésus-Christ, l'amour de Dieu et la communion de Saint-Esprit soient avec vous tous. La grazia del Seigneur Jésus-Christo El amore di Dio e la comunione dello Spirito Santo siano con tutti voi. Please join with me in prayer. We are reminded today that your words echo across the globe in different languages with different cadences, in different sanctuaries with different rhythms, in different people with different trials. We are reminded today that through the sounds and flavors of your worship, though they are unique, you and your message are universal. You say to us, to all your people, come, you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we ask you, O Lord, to be our rest, 
that which we yearn for. You say to us, Lord, that you are the bread of life, that whoever comes to you will never be hungry. So we ask you, Lord, to be our sustenance, that which we hunger for. You say to us, Lord, that you are a spring of water welling up unto, to eternal life, that whoever comes to you will never thirst. So we ask you, Lord, to be our spring of eternal life, that which we thirst for. We thank you, Lord, that we as desperate people across the globe have these things in common, rest, the bread, and the cup. Let us be fulfilled with your presence as we join in this Holy Communion in, spe excuse me, in spirit, cyberspace, and at last in person. Let us rest, Lord, this Sunday and every Sunday in your words as we know them and in your communion as we taste it. All this we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. be seated. Good morning, friends and church family, and welcome to Southport Congregational Church. Wherever you are in your faith journey, you are always, always welcome here with open arms and open hearts. Welcome. Um, whether you are a member or a friend or a visitor, uh, we would ask that you take the friendship registers that are on the aisle sides of your pews and sign them so that we can uh, pass you a note and pass them along to your neighbor. If you're a visitor and you'd like more information on the church, uh, please let us know that and let one of us know after the service if we can uh, provide you with more information. We'd love to welcome you. Few important announcements, there are many in your bulletins. Um, first, most of you should have received the email from Paul on Friday about the community issues related to the United Illuminating uh, proposal to, to install new uh, high voltage power lines. Uh, there are two important meetings that are coming up. One is today at four o'clock uh, at Pequot Library. Uh, if you would like more information about this proposal and what the neighborhood is doing to address it, uh, I encourage you to go to that. It's being sponsored by the Sasco Creek Neighbors Environment Trust, otherwise known as SNETI. Uh, 
And in addition to that, on Wednesday, October 4th, at the Fairfield Regional Fire School, uh, which is over by the, the, um, uh, the dump, the address is found in your bulletins, uh, there will be a town hall meeting. Brenda Kupchik, uh, first select woman in the town of Fairfield, is invited, United Illuminating, to come to town uh, to answer questions about that. If you did not receive the letter that Paul sent out on Friday, there are copies available in Fellowship Hall, uh, which you're welcome to take in hard copy. Um, confirmation class for ninth graders begins uh, this Tuesday, uh, October 3rd, in the youth room. Uh, the class runs from 6 o'clock to 7.30. That's for uh, ninth graders who are intending to be confirmed. For uh, third graders who are receiving their Bibles here in the sanctuary at our service on October 15th, uh, there's a workshop this coming Wednesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. If you would like to attend that, uh, please RSVP to Pam in the office. Uh, next Sunday, uh, I will be doing the blessing of the animals at four o'clock out here. I think we're doing it in the courtyard. Uh, so please bring your animal friends. Uh, I would love to bless them and pray with them. Um, uh, next Sunday, we are having a second hour to go through the book that uh, Laura prepared uh, called A Final Gift to address issues related to uh, reaching end of life, wills and planning and, and such. So if you would like to attend that, it should be very informative. Uh, there are many members who have that book and have uh, really found it to be quite useful. Uh, Julianne Center's ordination, super, super important. It'll be here on Sunday, October 22 at four o'clock. We are really looking forward to welcoming Julianne back uh, and, and going through the ceremony to ordain her. Uh, on Saturday, October 21st, there will be Halloween window painting. Uh, this is a family activity uh, where kids and, and parents can paint the, the uh, windows in the preschool and in the office hallway. If you'd like uh, to come to that, just send an email to Laura and we'll register you for that. Uh, other announcements are, under, are in your bulletin. Uh, wonderful, thank you.
have a seat right where you are. That would be awesome. And I will welcome the other children to come on forward. Last week in uh, church school, we played a little game of I spy or in church here, what's different? Um, there are two things that are very different. One is really obvious, one is harder. Stand up for a moment, look that way, and see if you can tell me, yell out if you see the one thing and then a two thing. Table with bread, that's one. No, that's table, bread, decorations. That's all one. Are the flowers back there new or something? No, well, they're new every week, but um, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, three things. Yeah. Uh, the, no bread. No. Oh, yeah, there's no bread. No. Nope. Has to do with a human. You're not in your seat. That's true. I'm not in my seat because I'm here. But look to where I would... Dave is here. That's good. Not new, but good. I'm glad you remember his name. I did not switch spots. Hmm. Got it. Leslie, you want to share with the children? Check out Reverend Whitmore's arm. Check out Reverend Whitmore's arm. Oh, all right. Have a seat. So Reverend Whitmore's arm got operated on, he's fine. That was just my way of letting everyone know. Has nothing to do with the children's sermon, really. It's just a quick, fun game. The, but the thing that you noticed right off is the one I wanted you to see, which is this beautiful communion table we have today with, as, as you said, different plants, lots of bread. Does anyone, anyone read their bulletin and know why that's all up there? What is special about this Sunday over other Sundays? Amelia? Oktoberfest. That's the kind of, that's the kind of parenting I like. <laughs> um, that's a great answer, but that's not what I'm talking about today. That's a good one. We usually have an Oktoberfest here, but uh, next year you have to wait. All right. Anyone know? What, what Sunday is today? Oh, who said that? Who's you? What'd you say? World Communion Sunday. What does that mean, World Communion Sunday? What do you think that might mean? I don't know. An idea. It's exactly what it means. It means all Christians who can possibly attend a service, wherever it might be. It might be by a river, it might be in a mud hut, it might be in a sanctuary, it might be on top of a mountain, it might be in a house. Christians all over the world take today specifically to remember that we are not just one church in Southport Congregational Church, in Southport, Connecticut. We are one church of God's world. And when we celebrate communion together today, we celebrate it with everyone throughout the world. Now, how did we represent the world in our worship service earlier today? What was different that we did then? Um, people's 
people spoke in different languages. Many of those languages that they spoke are natural languages to them. Some of those languages are languages that they learned. Anyone learning a language? Yeah, right? It's always good to be able to communicate with people in other, in other languages. So what we're doing today is remembering that we are just a small part of a greater world of Christians who gather together to worship God. And today, we do it intentionally as part of God's greater family. You have a mic or is that just your voice? Yes. I have a mic and it's my voice. AI has yet to step in. I'm waiting though, you never know. Um, All right, so let's say a little prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this church which lives in this greater world that you created for us. Help us to be loving and kind and helpful to all of your people so we can be your hands and your heart and your eyes and your ears in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now because Mr. Whitmore's arm is a little um, under the weather, I'm going to stay and help him with communion, which means you have two guest people for church school in the chapel. All right? In the chapel. meditation and thoughts with God. We do have some uh, church people and community people we would ask that you keep in your prayers. Um, for We pray for those who underwent or are undergoing surgeries and procedures this week. And we have prayers of gratitude for the successful surgery of Derek Yak. Um, he had esophageal uh, cancer and a major surgery this week, which went very well. Um, and then uh, right after, he and his wife both developed COVID, so they are healing um, from that. Isn't that just the way it goes sometimes? Um, but we are thrilled to hear that he is doing well. 
Um, we pray for those who are undergoing cancer treatments, especially for Steve Weitzer and Bo Allen, for Carol Lassiter's son, Jeffrey. And um, we say special prayers for the students of Sacred Heart University and the Uber driver who were involved in that horrible accident. May they all heal both physically and emotionally after such a horrid accident. And then we ask you to pray with us for those who are mourning the death of loved ones, for um, Allie Klutz, whose childhood friend Cheryl Binniger died this week after uh, years of cancer, and for Trevor Yule and his family on the death of Trevor's cousin Aaron Bauer, who also died this week from cancer. And we ask your prayers for those who are just mourning loved ones. It is one of those things that lasts a long time in our lives. And so we offer our prayers to those who have lost a loved one, whether it's recent or decades ago. Uh, and then, of course, we pray for those who are celebrating the birth of a new child because we live in a world in which a circle of life cannot be stopped and the seasons go round and round. So we join our prayers together that each one of us do our very best to love and to laugh and to enjoy each moment that we are on this earth. So with those prayers and then the prayers that are deep within your own hearts, let us take this time to lift them all to God. God of all creation. We take this time away from the world to be in your presence and to share with you a united prayer for our world. You've called each of us to be ambassadors of hope and peace in this world. And so we ask you, God, to fill us with courage to speak your truth, to call for action to be taken based on your laws and to seek justice for all your people. Remembering the words of the prophet Micah when he said, what are we required to do but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God? So we ask you today, God, to fill us with the courage it takes to take control of our own lives to make choices that are good, not only for ourselves, but for others. To know that you've given each of us skills and talents that this world needs. So help us to find ways to use them so we may become beacons of hope and peace to the people we live with. And you tell us over and over, God, that to do this, to know ourselves, we need to slow down. We need to come to you and sit by the still waters. We need to be with you as we lay down in the green pastures and restore our souls. Because in the peace of those moments, our hearts will open to you and your vast love, a love that embodies not only each one of us, but the whole human race.
So on this World Communion Sunday, we give thanks, God, for the diversity of our human family, with our complexities of color and culture, yet called into oneness of being. Weave us together in hope, God, that we may recognize that we are all part of your great tapestry. All of our threads are needed and necessary for your beautiful design. So strengthen us and nourish us for the journey as you strengthen and nourish those around the globe. With many tongues, yet with one voice, we offer our prayers to you. Amen. When we think about offering at the church, we often think of monetary gifts, which are very important. But we also have lots of other gifts that we give. We give our gifts of time. We give our gifts of cooking. We give our gifts of sitting at the bedside of someone in need. We give our gifts of a smile. We give our gifts of knowledge. There is so much that we share and so much that this world needs. So on this day in which we recognize we are not just part of Southport Congregational Church, we are part of God's church throughout the world. We ask you to give graciously and generously to the best of your ability. In that spirit, our morning's offering will be received.
Let's join together in the unison prayer of dedication. Generous God, it is one thing to put our love into words. It is another to put our love into deeds. So we have some scripture readings uh, and an insert in your bulletin, and um, it's kind of interesting. You'll say that they've got some, some red words there. There's a number of them, uh, a, a couple that we're going to be referring to this morning, some we're going to be um, referring to next time. Uh, there's some words in red, and what, what happened there was um, I was working on this, and I was just kind of jotting some, some thoughts and some notes for myself uh, next to these things, and I was putting them in red, and then they showed up um, on, on Pam's computer, because we were working in a shared thing, and she pointed them out, and I said, you know what, let's just, we'll, we'll just leave them in there. Um, just to give you an idea of some of my um, little kind of running thoughts and, and commentary there. And um, we're focusing a lot today, really, on the first, um, first couple. Um, where today is part three of the series of, that's titled Your Magic Wand. And we've been focusing on a foundational passage of scripture from Proverbs that says, as a person thinks, so they are. We've been looking at this in terms of um, how do we control the dials of our lives where we adjust the input and which then affects the output. Um, and that output we think of as the output is our experience of life and what we sometimes call reality, we think of as reality. As a person thinks, so they are. When we ended last time, it was September 24th, um, I introduced what we were going to be focusing on today, which is expectations. And I said, as a teaser, I said, our expectations influence not just a gigantic part of how our life feels, but our expectations completely control the, our entire sense of satisfaction or disappointment, all the way from complete joy to outrage and all points in between. And that is our first point today. So where do our expectations come from? Regardless of where they come from initially, something that is worthwhile for us to be able to focus on is that our expectations get nurtured and they get kept active and alive by the ongoing messages that we tell ourselves. Those teeny tiny many times imperceptible almost, little messages, running commentary that we have going on in our minds, little phrases, things that we tell ourselves about might be how fair we think something is. That's so unfair. Did we think we got what we deserved or not? I don't deserve this. You don't deserve this. Anytime you say to yourself things like, that's too bad, 
or that's weird, or that's okay. What you're doing is we're reinforcing some expectation. And here's a hint. Anytime you use the word should or shouldn't, whether you realize it or not, you say, that shouldn't happen. What you're doing is you're making a blanket proclamation of universal reality or cosmic law based on your point of view. And it's kind of like making a little God statement of how what we deem as should or shouldn't is then universally true and how the world should work. So anytime we use the word should or shouldn't, we give ourselves a little God status. We give ourselves a little promotion. You know, this shouldn't be. So step one in this whole process is, is awareness. Listen. Listen to your internal commentary. Those little remarks. I've shared this one before, um, and I think about it a lot. Research shows that we tell ourselves somewhere between 60 and 80,000 little messages every day. Self-talk. And they remind us of our place in the world. They remind us in little ways who we believe we are. I don't deserve this. Or you know what? I do deserve this. What we believe we deserve. Or who we believe other people are. Well, I guess they got what's coming to them. What they deserve. Whether we like or approve what they do or not. Well, that's weird. Labeling things as good or bad. And altogether, this creates a framework through which we evaluate everything in the world. Some people have said, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. <clears throat> Including minor comments like, another rainy day? Seriously? And when we say a little comment like that, it makes us feel one, day, one way about the day. Or we could say, you know, to ourselves, what a beautiful day. Look at the rain. Thanks, God. It's good to be alive. And that makes you feel a different way. 60 to 80,000 messages that we tell ourselves every day. How does that affect us? I, I know somebody who commutes every day. He commutes 95 south from here to Stanford. And just about every day, you know, I, I talk to him and he, and he says, oh, you wouldn't believe it. This morning's traffic, it was crazy. It took me an hour to get there. It should have taken me 20 minutes. And I'm like, really? <laughs> You're telling yourself this every day. You're setting yourself up. And every day it takes you an hour. And you're telling yourself, it should be taking me 20 minutes. What does that do to you? So the first thing we do is notice. Second thing you do is when you do notice some self-talk, ask yourself two questions. One, is it true? 
And two, is it helpful? Is what you're saying to yourself in little ways, is it nurturing in any way? Is it strengthening? Is it nourishing? Does it add positively anything to your life and to those people around you? And if not, start replacing them. This is what spiritual practice is about. How do you do that? One method after you notice is actually called arguing with yourself. Things always go wrong for me. Things always go wrong. I'm so, God, I'm such a jerk. What an idiot. Is that true? And is it helpful? If not, do three things. Argue, delete, and replace. Because as a person thinks, so they are. Now the interesting thing is we think in terms of words, 60 to 80,000 a day. We, we don't just think in terms of words though, we also think in terms of, of images, pictures in our mind. Now, when I was young, I realized I had a couple of images that set me up with some expectations about life. For one thing, I grew up with my two favorite television shows, I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched. <laughs> now, if you don't think that those shows will set you up as a kid with some kind of ideas about life and relationships. Fortunately for me, Laura has met every one of those. She is truly magical. The second image that I grew up with was, was interesting. I, I had this image that I, I, I picked up somewhere along the way. Um, about navigating life. And I had this image that navigating life was, was something like whitewater canoeing or kayaking. You know? And I did some whitewater canoeing when I was young. And I, and I pictured that if I were spiritual enough and smart enough and if I knew enough psychology, if I became wise enough, that then I would be able to navigate my way through life like an expert whitewater canoer or kayaker and be able to paddle my way through the roughest and through the wildest currents. And I thought, you know, if I'm good enough, I should be able to avoid smashing into all the big boulders of life. Now, I still think that mastery in life can be a lot like that in some ways. But now I also realize that by setting my expectations with that image of life, of, of being able to navigate and, and avoid life's rough spots, because of that, I, I realized later on that I would always end up disappointed to some degree. 
because what I did not include in my model, what I did not include in my expectations is the fact that, you know, problems and difficulties are not always things to necessarily avoid. But some of them are just an integral part of, and just included in what it means to be alive. So if you're having some problems, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's an error in the system. So later on in, in my life, and I, I thought about this stuff a lot when I was young, I, when I was in my late 20s, I was reading a book that I actually found the other day in my library, and it's called The Road, Road Less Traveled, right? Very well known, came out in 1978. Um, and, and I was reading this, the first three words in this book gave me a very welcome epiphany. And the book begins by saying, anybody, anybody know, remember, who read this? Life is difficult. Life is difficult. I read those three words, and then I underlined them, and then I put an asterisk by them, <laughs> and then I boxed them in. And they had such an impact, I just, I had to put the book down and just kind of let them sit for a little bit. Life is difficult. Later on, I found some very similar words, the words from the book of Genesis that sound pretty harsh, but I think that they're actually very kind the words that we have in your bulletins that say life is toil and we work by the sweat of our brow. It sounds negative, but for me, that sets some entirely different expectations about what I think life should be and what I should expect. Because for the previous 26 years, I've been telling myself, and I, and I still catch myself telling myself that sometimes that life is supposed to be easier. And it creates this feeling for me that every time a problem or difficulty comes up, I get kind of surprised. <laughs> I get annoyed. I get disappointed. Why is this problem invading my, my life that's supposed to be peaceful? It's like every new problem is an error in the system. It's like, ah, why is this happening? Instead of, this is what it is. Okay, let's go. So what I learned by deleting the old and replacing with the new, which is a constant process, is that, you know what, problems happen and life is difficult. And so, when times of ease 
does happen when times of grace, when times of pleasure, when moments of peace, those sweet gifts from God, though they are not the norm, when they do occur, Paul, savor them. Treat them as they should be treated, with gratitude, with care, and not with a sense of entitlement, like they should be there all the time. When I learned that, my joy and my satisfaction just shot up, and my frustration and disappointment with life diminished. Because as a person thinks, so they are. I find that this is an entirely different set of expectations than what our culture pounds at us and pounds at our kids in terms of how life should be. How much pleasure should we be having? How much entertainment? How much how much how many challenges? How many ribbons and awards should we be getting? How stress-free is life supposed to be? So point number one, our expectations completely determine whether we think our life is good and blessed or disappointing. Point number two, is life supposed to be easy or difficult? And point number three, our happiness is not based on what we have or how good our surroundings are, but our satisfaction is based on how closely our life matches up with what we hoped it would be. It's been said, happiness is not getting what you want, it's wanting what you have. So a little story as we close for the day. And I'm going to begin the story with a question. Is um, going on a vacation to Europe a good thing? Is staying at a nice hotel and going to some nice restaurants, is that a good thing? Is that a happy thing? Or is it a bad and painful and frustrating thing? I would say, well, it all depends, right? It all depends. A number of years ago, Laura and I, <clears throat> we went to London for the first time. Uh, Aaliyah, our daughter, was studying their semester abroad. We'd never been there before, so it was exciting, and it was so much fun. And we stayed in a nice hotel, and we did a day's worth of tremendous sightseeing. We had a few nice meals. And then the first night, at midnight, we got a call that our youngest son, Parker, was playing lacrosse and he had a terrible accident. And he took a very hard hit. And in a daze, we're talking with the hospital and he's in emergency surgery. And it's funny what happens in a moment. <laughs> Because at midnight in the days, we were speaking to the surgeon and who's saying he's very sorry, but the hit was so bad 
that they had to remove one of Parker's organs that got destroyed. Now in an instant, this whole wonderful scenario of, that had all the markers, external markers of being great, relaxing, trip of a lifetime, this whole thing turned into a source of pain and frustration. Why, did any of that change? No. It just instantly became the thing that was preventing us from where we wanted to be, which was at home in the hospital with our son. And so now, this terrific vacation became a place to get away from as fast as we possibly could. So when you're thinking about your life, it's, it's never the thing itself that creates the happiness. It's the expectation. It's where you want to be. As they say again, happiness isn't getting what you want. It's wanting what you got. So the fourth secret that we learn from Scripture that will help you create expectations that will support your joy is happy is the person who can best adapt and welcome change. In other words, the person who learns the power to behold what is happening now. To behold, to change, to adapt, to welcome. And our Bible along this line offers a number of different scripture passages about how to adapt and how to welcome change. And each one of them recognizes that one of the major creators of our unhappiness and stress and causes for our distress is our aversion to accepting life as it is versus how we think it should be. And so our aversion to embrace change. And because this topic is so big, this is where we're going to pick up next time. Amen. Holy Communion, our common union as people of faith, as, as believers, as seekers. Recognizing that we are all one with people of faith and with seekers and believers all throughout the world, Christian or otherwise, all children of God. That is a perspective and that's an expectation. Are we all one? Are we all children of God? Our faith says that's exactly who we are. 
And that's exactly who other people are. And so today we celebrate our unity, we celebrate our love, and we celebrate the God who created all of us and feeds us and nurtures us through community, through word, through prayer, through this bread and through this cup. And so we all come to this table, not because we must, but because we may, and we come to this table, not because we are without error, but we come with our whole selves, trying and creating and recreating and failing and asking for forgiveness, being forgiven and blessed once again and fed. Where we come with the bread, remembering how Christ was in his room with his disciples on that night when he was betrayed. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Take this and eat of it, and as often as you do, do so in remembrance of me. Ministering to you in his name and in his spirit, we give you this bread.
join together in the bread of life. On that same night and in that same manner, after dinner, Jesus took the cup, and after pouring it out, he blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink, for this is the blood of the new covenant, the new promise of the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink of it, and as often as you do so, remember me. So ministering to you in his name, we offer you this cup.
This is the cup of forgiveness shed for us all. Lord God, as we've taken the bread and the wine communally here in this church, let us remember your love for all people and all nations in the world who are joining us today in this blessed sacrament. You made this sacrifice so that all could be blessed and brought into your spiritual family, joined in solidarity with one another in humanity. We ask that you give us the strength to remain steadfast in sharing that good news both in our community and around the world, so that we don't take for granted the gift of salvation, but instead share that gift with everyone around us. God, we ask that you give us the wisdom and discernment to do that. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. into the world, into our joys and concerns and our, our challenges and our successes. May we go with all the love and courage and strength and blessings of God, not just to receive, but to share freely with all those who we meet. And may God be in your head and in your understanding. May God be in your eyes and in your seeing and perceiving. May God be in your ears and in your careful listening. 
May God be in your mouth and in your careful and loving words that you choose to speak. May God be in your heart and in your loving and your hands and your embracing, uplifting, now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.